Time now to talk Baylor football, Baylor-BYU, and Big 12 football with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 commissioners meeting. What does that mean for the Utes going forward? David Smoke, host on Sikkim 365 Radio in Waco, Texas, and Sikkim365.com for those of you who want to check him out online. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at SmartRain.net. David, good morning. Hey, guys. How we doing? Good morning. Hope you're having a great morning. We are, and i got to imagine you're surprised to find out how interested everybody is in Utah, to find out what you know about Baylor football, which we'll get to in a minute, and the future of the Big 12, which is, I guess, where we'll start. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, because we're, we're interested in what's going on in, uh, in Provo or Salt Lake City or in, uh, you know, uh, Tempe or even in Orlando with UCF and we've kind of dialed around you know we had Jake on to kind of get a perspective of Brigham Young because everyone's kind of saying okay so what and how does this all work and are some people that have been left out team programs whatever before does this give them another shot or are they interested I, I got to tell you the last two weeks and I've done this for 40 years the last two weeks I've never seen such an explosion of interest and we've been through realignment. We've been through a lot to cover uh, good, bad, and the ugly. And, and this has been unbelievable because of just the, the bombshell of when that report came down two weeks ago today. So what's the mood around Baylor? Is there a sense of nervousness or what? Yeah, no, there's, there's – uh, people can put on a strong face. I, we interview Mac Rose, the director of athletics, usually every Tuesday – uh, and, and we were going to have him on Monday, but they had that huge long to the point where it, it's just politics uh, in a theater on Monday in the Texas Senate. But, oh, yeah, there's it, it, the range of emotions. There's the excitement, honestly, of something new, although we don't know. I say we. I'm not a Baylor. I, I cover Baylor. Uh, and then there's the, oh, my God, we, we've been through this before and always survived Baylor in the years when the Big 12 was formed and then when there was realignment talk with Texas and Oklahoma, we're talking to others, and they always survive. And some of it's been because they have great political clout, and then at the same time, some of it has been because of timing. Uh, there's, there's, there's the gambit. I mean, it's like the exhilaration of victory that there might be something new that is fresh that keeps them a power five, and then there's the my God, we might end up being a group of five, and, and our budget has slashed 70% of what we're getting right now on television. So is there uh, – have people already moved on, or is there a lot of anger at Texas and Oklahoma? Or they've already moved on to the future? Well, I think there's always been kind of a distrust or an anger when it comes to Texas. And, you know, I mean, Texas here's, – here's who Texas is, and they don't mind telling you they're the big, rich – bully and they like to make sure you know it and they don't mind telling you that and then of course when you say that they're like oh my god we're only doing what's best for us and and whatever else and that's fine i listen baylor fans and others the remaining eight they understand that the conference right now is uh, is i think tenuous uh, i don't know if the word fragile i think that could be a little bit overreaction they understand the power i mean even bob bowlsby admitted on monday that 50% of the television value, the network, the television uh, revenue stream, 
50% of it is probably tied to Texas and Oklahoma. So then you go up, oh, my God, how are we going to replace that if you can? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, I think, I think there's the initial bitterness, anger, but I got to tell you guys, um, even though, you know, we know about the history, the tradition, the image and all that in Texas just had an incredible year with athletics, their football team for 10 years has been sporadic at best. Baylor's won five of the last 10, although they've lost four of the last five. And Texas has everything. They have the money. They have the, the alumni base. They have the image. They have the logo. They have all of that. And yet, for some reason, their football program can't seem to get out of its own way. And so, uh, yeah, there, there's going to be always a little bit. And here's the thing about Texas, and it was a quote the day that all this went down or the day or two after when someone in Texas is, I don't know if it was administration, athletics, whatever, when they said, well, don't you feel a little bit bad about the eight teams? Or do you feel about, how do you feel about the eight teams who are left hanging? And the quote was, well, honestly, we don't give a damn. And that's really the way they have always been. Here's one of the things that kind of I think is frustrating when I look at it this way. They're leaving for what is already a great conference, and that's going to stabilize their business going to stabilize well texas already makes more money than anybody else spends more money than anybody else but the question i think is valid yes they propped up the other teams there's no question no one's ever denied that no team has ever said we can do this without you but why not go ahead and find a way to make where you are where you're the flagship state uh program why don't you make your conference better and texas seems to be in the middle of always not happy or it's not good enough well sometimes you got to look at the people in the mirror and that might be yourself if you're if you're your team how much of the remaining eight united together or is it fractionalized with the kansases and the remaining baylor texas tech whatever it might be uh it, you know there was a report that was flying around yesterday and of course be careful of reports wherever they might come because if you look back Guys, two weeks ago today at about 2.30, Brett Zerneman had the story that rocked college football, right? And nothing, nothing has changed since then other than it's now official that Texas and Baylor are going to leave. They were officially invited. They were officially officially accepted. And they're talking in legal terms, well, we are going to leave after the grant of rights in 24-25. I think that, you know, if you're West Virginia, you're kind of been isolated on this island. But West Virginia has enjoyed the relationship with the Big 12. We've had their president uh, on many times, uh, a handful of times. I think, I think Iowa State, Kansas State, I think, I think they're, they're going to be there's Baylor, TCU. I think they're probably taking or listening a little bit. But I, I, I think, you, you know, when you hear the float, Kansas and the Big 10, is that true? Or is that somebody who's trying to break apart the Big 12? And we know what Bob Bowlesby insinuated. Well, hell, he accused ESPN of working against the conference to try to split it up, and that's why you had the cease and desist. I think all eight understand their best chance for survival, period. Yes, somebody else might reach out, flirt with you, offer you at least a talk at the table. The best way for those eight remaining teams to survive is by staying together and ensuring that if Texas and Oklahoma do leave before the grant of rights, they're going to get a big check. And if they don't leave, well, they're, they're set for at least the next four years. Now, that doesn't mean they don't need to look at options. But I think that if they stay together, and I do think 
you know, if somebody fractures off, okay, well, that can lead to two or three others. But the conference stays in existence based on their bylaws, even if there was, like, one team left. Really. I mean, like, one team can still be left, and they're going to get the grant of rights. But if you're one of the teams of the eight guys that want to leave, guess what you have to do? You have to pay for whatever's left on the contract grant of rights, which is what Texas and Oklahoma are probably going to try to legally get out of part of that, negotiate out of that. And these eight teams have said, we're not going to let that happen. So even if somebody wants to leave, they themselves face the same penalties and will also then have to write a big check. And I think none of them can afford to do that, especially among the remaining eight. So the Pac-12 and the Big 12 commissioners meet, and they talk for six hours, and they don't want to talk what they talked about. What do you think they talked about, and what makes the most sense for Baylor? What would Baylor people be pulling for? I, you know, obviously, there's, there's a lot of philosophical, uh, you know, we know how the Pac-12 looks at schools with religion. Um, uh, Baylor and TCU uh, are both private religious schools, although TCU has backed away a little bit from even calling themselves Texas Christian University. It's more TCU. Baylor's very proud of their mission statement and who they are and what they represent, and that might be a turnoff to some of the institutions in the Big 12. Obviously, Baylor would love to see. I think what in the if you were to look at it, based on two weeks of people talking about this, they would love to see Brigham Young or UCF Memphis, someone like that, a Cincinnati, at least be available or be interested. And then I think there's always been this eye on the schools in Arizona. And by the way, I'm saying Utah, if in fact somehow the Pac-12 was to do something with the Big Ten, of course, those are just rumors. Uh, I think right now, I think if they could just come out of the next, let's say, few months with a scheduling alliance with the Pac-12, that brings in more money. Whoever they're going to pay, who's going to pay them, I don't know. I think the, if the Pac-12, whoever's left, can come up with something like that, that at least shows that there's a foundation of a relationship, whether it's USC or it's Oregon or whoever it might be, and, and, and the big eight teams or the big 12 teams of the eight remaining. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to be possible for the Pac-12 to look at the eight teams. We know about the Tier 1. There's like a couple of those teams that are Tier 1. And some of them, again, it's just a philosophical or political thing that it's not going to be acceptable in certain ways. So I think what you would love, this is me, you'd love to have Brigham Young and UCF, two very, very good independent, although UCF's a part of a program, I always think of them almost as independent, and then grab a couple of the Arizona schools. Well, the problem with that is is that we don't know, and nobody knows if the Arizona schools are interested in, in, in leaving what they have. And if that fractures, then maybe they would be. The one thing that Texas schools bring to the table is the footprint in the state of Texas with all of the talent that along with California, Ohio, probably like Florida and Georgia, have as much high school talent in numbers as anybody. And so if that's of interest to some of the schools in California or the the Pac-12, then there is some value there. The Dallas and Fort Worth Houston markets are controlled by usually Oklahoma, uh, Texas, and A&M. And so I don't know if they can, you know, if that brings too much to a, a network that, hey, we need to get into those markets. Baylor and Texas Tech have strong ties into the Dallas and Fort Worth market, but not as large as Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, and Texas. So I don't know. If, I, don't, I hope I'm giving you an answer by giving you scenarios. 
But uh, I think any kind of a scheduling allowance alliance might be at least the start of a let's build this thing from the ground up. There's a little bit of time. There's not a lot of time, but there's a little bit of time to do that. So this kind of pales in comparison, but I'm wondering how many people now with all this other stuff going on care about who's going to replace Charlie Brewer at quarterback. Uh, yeah, you know, that's the uh, – first of all, I love Charlie Brewer. I I, I love that kid. Uh, he took a beating in his years at Baylor. Last year was hard. The offense was a wreck. I, I have at times been bludgeoned by fans about trying to defend Charlie Brewer. I, I, I love Charlie Brewer, so good luck with him in Utah. I love that kid. He's been amazing. Um, but, yeah, no, we – Baylor opens up their, their fall workouts later this week. I think it's Friday. I believe it's Friday. And we have not taken a call in the two weeks since the Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC story popped. We have not taken a single call about a position, about a player, about the offense or the defense, anything when it comes to Baylor football. And that says quite a bit about what's been on the forefront. Now, that's going to change, and we're going to go and make sure we get into that again. But it's almost been like shoved to the corner, whether it's Jacob Zeno, uh, Gary Bohannon, or whoever might be the starting quarterback at Baylor. Because right now, I don't think Baylor knows. So, Baylor-BYU, it's midseason. We'll know more by then. It seems like a little bit of a mystery. Does that, uh, how do Baylor fans look at that game? Does that game seem like a problem? I, well, I mean, obviously, one of the things that even when Baylor was starting to play, compete, and win Big 12 titles under the Art Bryles teams, and they were highly ranked a lot, and even in the college playoff discussion in 2014, it might have been, other than an injury to their quarterback in 15, their non-conference schedule was easy to pick apart. It was not very good. It was not at a level of very good. Uh, it, it was something that was always in the discussion. It was something that hurt them. But I'm telling you right now, having Brigham Young and eventually Utah and Auburn and others on their schedule as a non-conference game on games, it is for Baylor fans an unbelievable refreshing and exciting thing because, yeah, they could get drilled. Brigham Young's good. Utah's good. Uh, Auburn's good. But if you're going to get into the next level, and of course with realignment, who knows what all of this means, if whatever else happens, Baylor fans are thrilled that the schedule has been juiced up. You know, last year, guys, they were going to open up with Ole Miss. COVID knocked that out. That would have been one of their best non-conference games in a decade or so. They, you know, they played Duke. They played some teams, a lot of them, you know, that are kind of similar. And, and, then, and I understand that. They can't go start. They can't go play Southern Cal, Brigham Young, and Alabama. And nobody can in their non-conference games. Nobody would. But they just haven't had a very strong non-conference schedule. And for me, as someone who covers them, I can't wait. You know, this is how you find out who you are, not just because of what you do against uh, Oklahoma or against this year Iowa State the last couple of years they've been good and Baylor beat them a couple of years ago I mean I'm, I love it I love it I'm so glad that they've changed their non-conference philosophy because quite frankly it was it really was it was really kind of a, 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 a whatever you want to call it it was it was a negative a huge negative it hurt them it hurt them a lot and I can't wait for that game, no matter the outcome, just because it's kind of a it's kind of a nice little big boy non conference game. 
So BYU lost their coordinator and their offensive line coach to Baylor, and those guys all yep. offense. And Jeff Grimes, an old offensive lineman himself, and an offensive line take pride in running the ball. Baylor sucked at running the ball last year. They're going to be better. Yeah, and sucked might be a positive word compared <laughs> to what word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? No. I, 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 it's true. I mean, it. it I mean, uh, it was embarrassing. They couldn't push anybody off the line. And they, I'm telling you, second and two, they had to throw the ball. Third and one, they're going to punt. It was awful. And the year before, of course, they they weren't great at running the football, but they had like an extra five or six hundred yards, seven hundred yards running the ball um, uh, than than the than last year. Uh, it was. It also was another reason for Charlie Brewer to take a beating because it didn't matter if you play action. What are they going to take? A play action pass? Okay, they're not running the ball, or they can't. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, we have been very impressed with what we've seen and heard from obviously Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos. Uh, it's a great combination. Mateos is nuts, and that's good. Uh, I've talked to him a couple of different times. He told me that the offensive line, now last year, I'm talking about they have some new guys as well, that the offensive line issue is not so much talent. It's almost an attitude. It's a commitment, which kind of makes you think, are they physically and mentally tough enough to, to be a part of the grind, you know, the physicality of being on the offensive line? It can't get any worse. You say that, then if it's as bad, then it's worse, I guess. But I think that uh, there's a lot of people. I mean, they've taken a linebacker who was an all-state running back in high school who was playing linebacker and turned him back into a running back as a one-cut kind of the wide zone that they're going to run. And, and, and he's kind of given them a little bit of oomph. They have the All-American kick returner that's kind of a, a dual-threat running back in Tristan Ebner. Maybe that gets him out in the open more often. But until I see it, until I actually see them on first and 10 get five yards, four yards, and three yards, whether it's back-to-back-to-back or they convert third and two with a running play, until I see it, I think it's going to be interesting. Until I see it, I won't believe it. But I do do believe in what Grimes and Mateos are bringing to the table. David Smoke, host of... Sikkim 365 Radio, Waco, Texas, joining us. All right, that's a lot of football. One basketball question before we let you go. The Jazz get Jared Butler with the 40th pick in the draft. What can you tell Jazz fans, which is all Ute and Cougar fans, except for a few BYU fans from L.A.? (laughs) What can you say about Jared Butler? I I know what I said about Charlie Brewer, and take whatever I said about Charlie Brewer, the person, the competitor, times whatever you want with Jared Butler – we had the opportunity. I had a chance to talk to him when he was cleared the health issue. Uh, uh, that there was a little bit of a concern about the heart, and, and that's why he also left Alabama because they wouldn't clear him. And all of a sudden, here's Baylor, who had been recruiting him. He ends up being a Naismith finalist. We know about the national championship. He is smooth as silk. He is, you know, you, his facial expressions rarely ever change. He's a silent assassin, and I'm telling you, another guy. Don't you have Macy Oteague playing with that summer league team as well? Yes. Uh, that kid right there never got enough of the respect that he, that Jared deserved and earned, that Davion Mitchell now with Sacramento earned, but Macy Oteague is just someone that just keeps making plays. I don't know what he's going to do. 
I don't know how he's going to translate in the NBA. I saw some highlights last night. Looked like he was doing okay. You guys will love both of them as people. And I know it matters of what they do on the court. I'm telling you right now, those guys are good. And I would not be surprised if Macy will surprise some people. I know it's a numbers game. But you see, you know the kind of guy that Royce O'Neal is. And I know, again, it's all about production. They are good people. You'll never have to worry about them. And they're also damn good basketball players. David, we appreciate the time and all the energy and enthusiasm. And we'll remember the running game that, uh, you know, sucked was a nice version of what they did. (laughs) Hey, the running game was a four-letter word in Waco, Texas last year. I don't know what it's going to be this year. But, by the way, I had a chance. I know you got to go. I'm talking too much. That's what happens when you get out of the talk show guy on. But uh, I had Christensen on. uh, Really liked him, too, man. That was another hellacious uh, player from Brigham Young really like him a lot, and uh, and I hope he does well in the NFL. But th- thanks, guys, appreciate you, and I can't wait to see that game later on this year with Brigham Young. David Smoke, host on Sikkim three sixty five Radio in Waco, Texas. You can check him out at Sikkim three six Sikkim three sixty five dot com as well. That's what happens when you have a radio guy on. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really understand it. <laughs> yeah, right. Good one. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK will get you up to speed. All the stuff you've missed in this show. The Jazz, the Cougars, and yes, some of the Utes too. That's next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I wore my flat cap to the 21 Pilots concert when I thought, I bet I'm the only person in this entire building wearing a hat like this. You know you told us that story yesterday. I did not. Yes, you did. But it's, did it's, I tell it on the this air? story a hundred yeah. times. Let's move on. This is where you should have played the drop. I've heard this story. I, I would just it. played it. He did just oh, play it. Well, I was too busy doing something else. Okay, what so else? We're, both, right? that we're both not listening or paying attention, but at least that's something he played. It's not something I said. You know right? a story I really like is the time Jake went to the 21 Pilots. <laughs> yeah, you remember concert. that? And he had, a he had like a weird on? cap on. Yeah. yeah. Catch the big show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, the zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's a win tickets Wednesday. Dirks Bentley brings his beers on me tour to Salt Lake City for one night of hit after hit country music. Caller 12 right now and two tickets to see Dirks Bentley on August 13th at Usana Amphitheater. It's brought to you by LiveNation.com. Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. Yaka, will hook you up. 855-340-ZONE. Looking for Caller 12 right now. All right, bringing you up to speed on everything you have missed in this show. Jazz making moves. Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside. Whiteside was in Sacramento. It didn't really match the rest of uh, Whiteside's career. No, no. He's put up some massive games over the years, uh, particularly, what was it, with Miami? Yep. And, yeah, something happened last year. But, uh, you know, he's he's 32. That's not exactly over the hill, I wouldn't think. And he just turned 32. Turned 32 uh, in June. So, you know, here's a guy. Didn't he lead the league in rebounding one year? Uh, so, excited to see what he can do defensively. Uh, I don't know that he's uh, uh, going to be able to pick and pop, shoot threes. Although, one year in 2017-2018, he did shoot 1,000% from three. Nice. Must have gone one for one. In Portland, he... 
shot 50 cent. He went in in 2018-19 after shooting 1000%. The next year he shot 12%. Then he went to Portland and shot 57% from 3 and okay. then last year didn't 57% <laughs> he was 4 of 7. <laughs> Twelve okay. okay, percent. I'll with, go one of eight. That was the same thing with Lopez in Milwaukee when he was earlier in his career. He, he, oh, yeah. he took zero. You're right. And it was very late in his career that uh, he worked on it. Yeah, figured it out, and the numbers went through the roof. He was going from somewhere between zero and ten three pointers a year attempts to all of a sudden he was chucking up three hundred a year. Yeah, there's massive difference. In uh, 2015-16, he led the league at three point seven blocks, and the following year. He led the league in rebounding at 14-1. 2017, Hassan Whiteside, breaking up the Andre Drummond run, had over 1,000 boards. Yeah. So 2016-2017, he averaged 17-14. and 14. That is five years ago now. What portion of that can be recaptured for the 15 minutes a night that they're going to need when Rudy sits? Well... Uh, there's some pedigree there. And then there's the ageless one. Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay. The Tom yeah. Brady of the NBA. I'm playing till I'm 45. Vince Carter has passed the crown. Well, he's, did he say that? No. I'm overstating here. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's almost I, 35, though. But I must have missed that. He came in the league, came in the league young. 20-year-old rookie with Memphis. So getting deep into this career. Yeah, I mean, even with Sacramento or San Antonio last year, he's been with San Antonio for, I think, four years. He averaged uh, 11 points a game, so you're just looking for something off the bench. Uh, shot 38% last year from three. Uh, he's, he's been a little bit up and down. So last five years from three, he goes 37%, 31%, 40%, back down to 33%, and then last year 38%. That is up and down. I like that 37, 38, 40. That'll work for you. That range. But they weren't consistent. I understand that. You're 100% right. It's like me and golf. (laughs) Par, double, birdie, triple, par. All over the place. The odd number of years have been good. He needs to break that. The the last three even number of years have been 33, 31, 34. None of that. Those numbers don't work. He's used to coming off the bench. He hasn't really been a full st- full-time starter. Just once in the last four years. He started 51 games back in 2019. Yeah, and in the last two years, only six starts combined. So he knows his role. Uh, and these guys had other offers, you know, but they chose here, which I've always believed. I've said it a million times. I don't care who you are, black guy, white guy, whatever guy. Uh, these guys are smart enough to know uh, this should be a good situation for me. They're going to give me the money I'm, I'm uh, able to get. I'm going to come in, stable stability and ownership and coaching and all the stuff that you need, good team around me. So excited to see what they can do. And if Rudy Gay has to close games, he can be trusted to make free throws. Critical. Always check that. If you're bringing in veterans, they Got to be able. They got to be able to do that. So if you're bringing in rookies, they don't. Yeah, because I, I don't think they're playing at the end of the game anyway. So it's not going to matter when they get Mitchell fouled did. in the final sixty seconds. And he's an outlier. But good point. Thank you. He did. He's an outlier. But the last three years, eighty-one percent, eighty-eight percent, eighty percent. That's so never been an issue. That, those are good numbers. So you got to put him in at the end of the game, and you need a big shot, and they might foul. He can hit him. He's always had a decent touch. 
so I don't have any problem with that. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do. You're in win-now mode, so you get two guys that are in their 30s that have been around the league for a number of years. The Lakers can't sign all the mid-30-somethings. They bring in Carmelo Anthony. I like our signings way better than theirs. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Kendrick Nunn, Talon, Horton, Tucker re-ups on the three-year deal. And Kendrick Nunn and Carmelo Anthony. So the Lakers, the rebuild continues. Uh, I would say reload with them. The reload. Yeah, and that's great. And I suppose it's not really any different than from what the Jazz can say. So you've got these other guys, but your frontier guys are going to have to be healthy. But I suppose you could say that just about That's everybody. About everybody. Yeah. Right. And the Warriors weren't, so they weren't good. Now, after two years, they're getting Clay Thompson back. But you still want guys around them who, when they need to make an open shot, they can do it. Yeah, but there, and there were teams, the Clippers didn't go all the way, but they did win games without their best player. Lakers didn't, nor will they. And the Lakers, or the Clippers got through another round. Something to be said for that. Sure. Owner appreciates it. They're spending a ton of cash, so fill the building a few more times. Those games are multi-million dollar events. And Ballmer, man, he needs money. He does. He's almost (laughs) out. (laughs) That's, That's a joke that his employees can never make in front of him. Uh, sure, but I don't know that his employees are even getting FaceTime with him. <laughs> <laughs> Big 12, Pac-12 commissioners meet. What can they possibly do for each other? For once, the Pac-12 dealing from a position of strength. I don't know that it is. Really? You think it's equal weakness? Well, there's equal not challenges? enough stuff there, in my mind, that can give you what you're looking for. So I think it's a wash. I don't think they're dealing from a position of weakness, but I don't think the SEC was dealing from a position of strength. We are who we are, and you want to come? Oh, sure, we'll think about it. That was a position of strength. This position that the Pac-12 in is in is nowhere, anywhere, in any way close. To me, I can see them... We'll take Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. Does that make you that much better, though? I just think this meeting that happened, and it's fine that they had a meeting and talk and figure stuff out, but don't you want to hear that then this happened with the Big Ten and there's the scheduling agreement and the alliance and the partnership? What, what, what does that get you, though? What, what are the, the parameters and the details of that? What's the connection? Well, they have a connection because of the Rose Bowl and all the academic stuff, blah, 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 right? But I think do the scheduling deal and sell your TV package as as just one. It goes out to bid as one deal. You're one 26-team alliance. Even though okay, but if promises. I get an automatic bid into the playoff then, but I can just see Pac-12 teams to where that's actually going to hurt you to get in. Because the Pac-12, I believe, is the one conference, for better or worse, can have a middling team deep in November knock off the top-ranked team. And you hardly ever have that in the other two in the Big 12. And I know Ohio State fans can look at one game with Iowa four years ago or whatever it was, but it does seem like a rare event. Yeah. Yeah, They they dominate. Right. But if you can make more money off of it, yeah. 
I, I just, I'm, I'm skeptical. And I'm not saying that the Pac-12 should take Oklahoma State or Texas Tech. I'm saying if they decide, rather than go all eight, and Klykoff, or you say his name, sat right in front of me, and I asked him that, well, why bother with those teams? What are they going to bring you? And, and to me, the Pac-12, the reason why I don't think they're dealing with a position of strength, because I think there's some issue of holding on to what they have. You're worried about Oregon and USC taking off. Our brands are too big for this little league. It's not beyond the realm, particularly for SC. And if SC goes, then what does UCLA do? And everybody's recruiting LA, so that's a hit on everybody. Well, it's like Texas and Oklahoma leaving. If SC is still the big dog, they have been since I've followed the conference. And even though the, I mean, the result on the field, but what the hell does the result on the field matter? Because Texas isn't anywhere close. No, for all the frustration with the USC fan base and all the going sideways stuff, Texas got all that times 10. Way more. Yeah, Texas would take USC success in a heartbeat. Comparatively. And I get SC is like, hey, where's my Pete Carroll years? I want him back. That was fun. What has this decade been? And yet Texas would take this decade in a heartbeat. They'd swap it out. Yeah, SC's been way better than Texas. They're going to compare one versus the other. And yet the, the, the SEC had no problem scooping them up because they're still the big dog. That's where SC is. So if I'm George, I would be more concerned about making my guys happy as opposed to going to get somebody. Now, if my guys say, go get somebody, and that's what will keep us happy, well, then I do it. Yeah, but I can't imagine USC and Oregon saying, man, if we just had Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, this would all be okay. Agreed. I can't imagine Oregon. But if it brings you more money because of that time zone and whatnot, uh, and it provides you protection if somebody should leave, if the 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 Arizona schools to the Big Twelve, that's been floated out there for years. But why would they go now with Oklahoma and Texas gone? That doesn't make any sense. That, but nevertheless, it still has been floated out there, and it's floated out there again. I've heard it for years. Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. No one is aging out of a rivalry. That stuff is passed down. My kids make a fake spitting noise every time they see a ute anything. Go Cougs. PK, are there really Utah fans that think we're too big time for the BYU game? Come on, man. Make it 10 in a row. Make it a 12-pack. I look forward to beating their asses every year. Feedback of the day brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. The kids make fake spitting noises. The rivalry lives what is that? on. You honk back? I mean, what is that? But you don't, you inhale, but you don't exhale? I look forward to beating their asses every year. <laughs> and I agree with that guy. Who was that? R- Ryan? Ryan, yeah. Ryan, I agree with you 100%. If I'm a Ute fan, my gosh, I look forward to that game. It's so fun to beat them, isn't it? Beating your rival never grows old. There's, Did really, Kyle look there's unhappy? nothing like it. Did Kyle look unhappy going up the ramp holding nine fingers in the air? 
Did he look like he was having a bad day? No. He was ha- the only the only one was having a bad day was me because trying to carry him on my shoulders. He's a thick dude. Well, that's wrong on multiple levels. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, his first year when they went into overtime, when they weren't supposed to win that game, when they lose, they lost uh, the quarterback. Yeah, well, the Brian Johnson, right? Uh-huh. And then Radliff yeah. had to come in, and there was yep. a running back too that was out, if I remember. Yeah, I think you're right. And so they go down there, and they basically, I think they need to win the game to be bowl eligible. They did. And they win in overtime, and I'm we go down in the field the last five minutes, so I'm down there, and it was then down in the north end, and uh, Beck, I think, throws a pass to like Mike Reed dives in the back of the end zone. He can't come up with it. So close. And, yeah, he yeah. was getting, Beck was getting pressured, mm-hmm. so he had to let it go, and he floated it up there to allow Mike to try to make a spectacular catch, and it didn't work. And Kyle turns around, yeah, takes off the headphones. How about that? And I, and he catches my eye, and I'm standing right there, right, because you start to walk to uh, to go do the interview. You want to hug you or high five you or he extends arms. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm still working whoa, for the watchdog whoa, at the time, whoa. right? <laughs> now I hug all you want. I don't care. Uh, and but at the at the time, and I was with some guys. I think Brad Rock was right next to me. Uh oh, I can't do this. <laughs> but what I can do is shake your hand and say congratulations, because I don't think that shows any bias, right? Because I've done that. To teams, if BYU would have won, I would have said congratulations. If Bronco and I, you know, I had a good relationship with Bronco, but it wasn't as close. And I just, I thought I got to thwart this hug, so I stuck out my hand and said congratulations because I was genuinely happy for him. But I would have been, you know, as happy for Bronco or if BYU if that happens. Like uh, they uh, when Utah or uh, BYU went down to Tucson. And won not the Cardinal Stadium his first game, Kalani's, but the one they went down to Tucson. It was uh, Tate's year when they brought in Sumlin, and the Tate was a Heisman Trophy winner, and they had no idea how to use him. They had him in a passing offense, <laughs> and this guy's an Dropping electric back. athlete. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, all of a sudden he's <laughs> Tom Brady here. <laughs> I remember watching right at the oh yeah yeah, Ooh, and you had Khalil good. Tate who could outrun anybody nope, out on the field. Nope, he's now just a pure pocket quarterback. <laughs> I, like, I, I remember sitting at work watching that thing. This is this yeah. Is we're in the press thing. box like, what are you doing? I mean, so weird. Yeah. This guy's as, as dynamic as they come, and you're not utilizing his skills. So the Cougars won that game, and I was standing on the sideline, and here comes Kalani, and he sees me and shook his hand and said, congratulations. I don't think that's out of line by doing that by any stretch. But the hugging. Yeah. Well, we got a question here on uh, Joe Ingles. Rampant speculation as the Warriors wanted to trade for Joe Ingles. How could we live without Joe and our team? And Kathy says, we can't. People need to quit feeding the rumors. Doesn't matter what Golden State wants. Joe Ingles is our guy. I get why fans say that, but you can't run an NBA team that way. Not a good one. <laughs> it's like I guess you can run an NBA team that way. LOL, David says, Joe will be retiring with the Jazz. Rest assured. I can't be rest assured. Is that for the best? I can see it being for the best. Really? Well, yeah, if a team doesn't give you enough for him, then you just keep saying no. So, yes, it could be, it could be for the best. So you're capped out, you're over the tax. 
I mean, this is the same argument we just had with Mike Conley. Uh, yeah, the tax stuff, that's up to the owner, what he wants to pay, what he doesn't want to pay. I don't really have an opinion better on off, that. You're better off moving a player and getting draft picks back. If they, yeah. well, it depends. I don't necessarily know that. All right, that's an argument for another day. Yak has notified us we are out of time. Coming up next, Hans and Scotty, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.